Hello and welcome to the Media and Marketing Podcast sponsored by MWW. My name is John Reynolds, the host. Coming up this week, we've got an interview with Wesley Taher, one of the founders of Media Monks, the Dutch production company just bought by Martin Sorrell's uh, new company. Uh, lots in there about why Media Monks went with S4 Capital and not WPP and other suitors. Uh, which wanted to buy them, including some of the big name consultancies, uh, Wesley reveals. There's also lots of stuff in there too about uh, future purchases for S4 Capital. Due to the interview being arranged late on yesterday, uh, kind of on the hoof, the sound isn't fantastic um, as I had to hurry into WeWorks to record, but it does get better as the interview goes on. And after that, we catch up with Liam Reynolds, Managing Director of Sales at Johnson Press, and Scott Gill, Commercial Director at Media Force, the biggest independent sales house in the UK. And we're talking regional media and much more besides that. So first up, it is uh, Wesley to her. Okay, so first of all, uh, congratulations on the, the deal with uh, S4 Capital. Just, just for the listeners, can you just give a, a brief overview of the, the Media Monks business at the moment and some, some of your clients and maybe some of the work that you've done at the moment? Yes, definitely, and thank you for the congratulations. It's been, uh, it's been an interesting week. Uh, so, Media Monks in a nutshell is a global creative production partner. We have about 750 people globally across 11 to be 12 offices. We work with global clients and really focus on integrating their production, consolidating all of their assets, and then trying to create efficiency and cost, and project quality and project control. Um, I think if you look at our client base, it's, it's very broad. It's from the millennial companies, uh, very sort of Bay Area heavy, to big FMCG, big sports brands. It's really across the spectrum because I think all clients, all brands, have similar struggles at the moment, um, escalate for content, but just better staying same or similar, completely different user behavior from, from consumers and potential consumers, different channels to reach those people, more focus on data-driven creativity. I think those are sort of the key aspects that we hopefully consolidate for our clients mm-hmm. uh, and a some great work for. And when, you, when you're asking about noted work, we had a really great hearing time. It's an amazing work with, uh, with writing Kevin Portland for Nike, for instance. Game of Go uh, picked up some really nice awards. Experiential gaming, yeah. uh, a project that we're very proud of. So, uh, lots of shiny stuff. Okay, so, and, and just in terms of your, your footprint, you're in 10 countries at the moment, including the, the UK then? Yes, correct. London was actually the first office we opened outside of, uh, of our home country, of the Netherlands. Uh, we opened here about seven years ago. Yeah. Okay. And is there? I mean, is there in terms of the the UK? There's there's not a sort of um, a comparative business. Is, is there a similar business to, to Media Monks in the in the UK at all, or, or something you can compare it to? Well, I, I, they're definitely great production companies in the UK. I, I think the likes of Nine and, and Stink. Um, I think they're they're really interesting studios. Are amazing production companies, and I think we all compete at uh, at a similar level when it comes to sort of high end creative we're a bit more scalable, a bit more global, and I think we focus on integration of, of different work streams a bit more. Uh, but I would say those companies at least are, are similar in the level of quality that Okay, and um, very briefly, it's a great name, Media Monks. How, how did, the, did the name come about then? Yes, uh, we have a PR story and we have the reality. So, the reality. <laughs> um, Media Monks was founded in my very early 20s. So there was a lot of uh, uh, 
kung fu movies from the 70s were part of my my uh, oh, yeah. diet and a, a lot of Wu-Tang Clan. So it's based on Shaolin monks. Right. Uh, and then as we actually started looking at that, it, it has a really great uh, sort of echo to that saying, which is a monk's work is never done. And I think that is what we sort of focus on. It's that craft, that dedication, that sort of ongoing process to get better. So it, it, it segues nicely into VR story correct in the mobile market. Okay, so obviously you've done the, you've struck the deal now with S4 Capital. Can you just talk through the uh, the timeline w- w- when you first had conversations with S4 Capital, and what, why do you think it presents such a good fit for uh, Media Monks too? Yeah, no, definitely timeline. Uh, recently, um, I think was that early May, mid May, um, was really when that conversation started. I think the the fit there that makes it so interesting is that it's such a different model to what we normally sort of grown accustomed to in our industry. It's much more entrepreneurial for us. It gives us um, some amazing access, of course, to the clients and, and to capital, but it also allows us to keep building media monks, which is something that we've done for the last seven and a half years. So for us, that's, uh, that's a really interesting uh, opportunity that we are super excited about. Okay, so, so I mean, it's, it's quite a quick turnaround. So you first began negotiations in, in May, you said, yes? Okay, and in terms of, uh, obviously there's been a lot of coverage uh, that WPP, Martin Sorrell's old company, was interested too. What, 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 I mean, what swung it for you? Why did you go with S4 Capital and not a WPP who are obviously uh, interested too? Yeah, well, we, we had quite a lot of, uh, sounds really weird to say, but we had quite a lot of interest. Um, I think, the, and I don't uh, sort of say anything that could negative about any of the other companies involved because I think there, there was some really interesting conversation. Uh, first, this was really about buying in versus selling out. I think the, the deal that is normal in our industry, you build hopefully a great company and then you sort of tap out. You go, I did my thing, I'm gonna take an earn out and I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna sit it out. And that just didn't resonate with uh, myself or Victor or our, our management team. So the ability to actually keep doing this and hopefully keep doing it at a higher level on a bigger stage was really the thing that, that swung it for S4. Uh, I presume Martin Sorrell was, it, did it make a big difference? He was obviously hev- heavily involved. He would come out to, to see you and you established a, a personal relationship with him too, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's been usually flattering, of course. Uh, I think Martin is clearly the best business builder our industry has ever seen. Um, so for us on a, on a personal level, I think as a founder and as an entrepreneur, you, especially if you start as young as we started, you sort of learn to follow your instinct that you don't really have a lot, of, uh, a lot of people to listen to. I think it's been just very interesting for us to, to have something on board that, that has gone through this at such a high level. It's, uh, it's, we, we say we're getting our NDA from uh, SMS. Okay. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, on a personal level definitely a really nice upside. Okay, so you mentioned there, Wesley. You had, I got the impression the way you phrased that, you had an awful lot of interest. So I mean, are we talking sort of, you know, more more than five, maybe up to ten companies were interested in in, in buying Media Monks then? Yeah. Yes. And uh, well, and again, this is a bit weird to say about yeah, no. our own companies, but it's, the the interest has been uh, has has been pretty cool to start the last five or six years. Um, so that, that also makes it, um, 
I think more interesting because you can start thinking about this in a bit more of a, uh, a, a, a way, not just that you need or must sell, which I think most companies will get into. We, uh, it allowed us to have, I think, a bit more, allowed us to step back a bit more and really think about what we wanted to do also for our future. Um, and that, that's really where the entrepreneurial component won out. Okay, so as I presume that there was there was interest from not only uh, big advertising networks but uh, private equity companies, consultancies, the whole whole raft of different companies, was there? Uh, yes, that's yes, correct. Yeah, uh, consultancies was there too. Yeah. Yeah, no uh, consultancies. Ooh, I think uh, the consultancies, of course, in the sort of ad and communication business, they're they're having an amazing run and they're building really strong teams and amazing businesses, so that, those were conversations we had, and again, it wasn't so much, uh, I think all of, the, all of the businesses that we talked to, uh, even from a private equity perspective, had some really interesting ideas, yeah. uh, but in the end, culturally, is the key for us, because it allows us to keep our culture, actually build our culture, which I think, sure. I think that's not a, a sort of a negative to any of the cultures of the companies we talk to, but it's just the ability to not integrate or migrate your culture and keep Okay, so so just uh, and last thing on the consultancies, this is the likes of, of Deloitte, McKinsey, uh, Accenture, companies like those, which uh, th- those companies were showing an interest, were they? Uh, yes, correct. Right. Okay, and and all three of those was it or? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I, okay. I, I don't feel comfortable Okay. Okay. That, that's yeah. fair enough. So there's no, um, I guess one interesting uh, fact that there's no, uh, as alluded to, there's no earn out. Media Monks have got no earn out to this deal. And that was your choice then, was it? That was actually, I think, uh, I, I saw Sir Martin talk about this as well. I think for our type of entrepreneur, I think a lot of entrepreneurs that, that have grown from digital, there is, um, the earn out feels like an old one. And when we talk about new era, new age, we're also talking about the entrepreneurs who are to actually keep building the mm-hmm. amazing companies they built. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends and a lot of people in this industry who have gone through a typical earn-out process and have had to see their companies sort of dissolve into, uh, into these bigger networks. Yeah. This, we hope is a new model where people actually get to keep building and doing the thing they love only on a bigger stage. Uh, okay, and um, just obviously, I'm sure you, you're well aware uh, in the press, um, Martin Sorrell, uh, his exit from WPP, uh, came about in uh, controversial fashion. Did you have any concerns about some of the reports in the press about him? There was obviously uh, a, a well-documented report in the FT with suggestions that he was um, uh, bullying staff, and uh, there's also the allegation that he used company cast for prostitution. Did you think that these allegations might have in any way tarnished the image of Media Monks and, and could have a detrimental impact on your brand? The interesting thing is we've, uh, we've talked to all of our uh, clients, all of our key clients, all of our, all of our team, and that's not what we're getting back. I think for us personally, the, the reputation of Sir Martin as a business builder and as probably the defining figure in this industry for last generation sort of stand, stand um, aside from the discussion um, and for us the real key here is because this is even only the next phase of it we mm-hmm. can actually build on top of our culture 
in our culture, is, uh, I think it's very clear how we treat people, how we make sure there's a lot of room for young people to build hopefully amazing careers. Yeah. And we're actually really excited when we talk about new era, new age. I think that's also about how we attract talent, how we retain talent, how we give people growth opportunities that I honestly think the industry has made the most sight of this last decade or so. Okay. So we're, we're actually really excited. So um, that the answer is um, the focus has really been on positives. Okay, and uh, uh, Monson Toro mentioned he's got aggressive uh, expansion plans for Media Monks. Can you just, uh, for the listeners, can you just talk about how the Media Monks brand, you've obviously had a, 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 a quick expansion path already, but w- which areas can it grow further in? Well, it's, uh, to, to your point, we've been expanding quite rapidly over the last few years, and we've done that in a, in a very um, sort of tailored way, really trying to answer what we think are the key needs from the industry. Uh, we're going to be consolidating our offering across media, uh, which is an area that we're getting into, but we're going to expand quite rapidly. Uh, there's going to be some more data components to our current offering. Uh, we think production really is one of the key components that mm. brands sort of need to focus on now is getting the actual work out there and making sure it's done at a high level quality against competitive pricing, but we're going to consolidate offering around that more strategy data media in a more comprehensive way. Uh, okay, and in terms of you've got no concerns, you hinted at this before, you, you, you've got no concerns that uh, now being part of a bigger group, you're not going to, it's not going to in any way diminish the, the Media Monks brand in any way, and, and as S4 Capital gets bigger, that you might lose your identity. Media is the biggest PR group at the moment. Yeah, sure, <laughs> and, yeah. But uh, we're, we're, the, the excitement here is we're, we're building the platform that can hopefully bring in other exciting businesses and entrepreneurs. Um, but for us, the, the idea of being at the start of something and literally the platform on which we're building versus being absorbed into something bigger, that's actually the exciting thing. So while we're aware of the, the challenges that come with growth, I think we, we've been able to grow grow through some really rapid growth cycles. We'll just keep our culture, but I think enrich it by adding so many amazing different people, so many amazing different talents. So for us, uh, there's only exciting and you, you and Victor, you'll both stay on, your roles will effectively stay the same and you'll stay with the business long term, will you? Or? Yeah, so based on Sir Martin's uh, uh, process, I think I have 34 years to go before I get to start my next business. <laughs> right. Um, well, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've a pretty long road now, man. Okay, and in terms of the uh, last couple of questions, fantastic so far. In terms of the, um, obviously, uh, predominantly it's UK listeners who listen to this. In terms of the, the Media Monks UK business, will, will that change dramatically uh, on the back of this uh, acquisition? We're, we're focused on growth. I think we've, uh, we've had an amazing run in the UK and London. Um, it was our first business outside of the Netherlands, and it's, uh, I think it's an amazing team. I think we're, we're looking at expanding, expanding our relationships with brands here. I think we're looking at expanding some of our services here. So there's going to be uh, more focus on growth, uh, and, and that I think goes without saying. Cause this is uh, this is our, our second head office now with uh, with Martin's S4. So there's definitely going to be a lot of focus on growth in the future. Okay, uh, and finally, I think you may have hinted at this in terms of S4 Capital going forward, in terms of future acquisitions that it makes will, will you have any 
would you have any input, any say into that at all? Obviously, you'd be interested in complementary businesses, wouldn't you, I guess? Yeah, well, we, we, we're having a call at a, at a good time. We just literally reviewed uh, a, a list of potential acquisitions, and we're, we're focusing on that roadmap over the next few weeks. Uh, that's completely integrated with the market and the team. We're, we're doing this together. I think we joined his team by buying into S4 and joining the board, but it's been amazing to see Martin also join our team and, and help us really think about some of these next steps and how we scale. So yes, we're, we're heavily involved. We're also really excited about the opportunities that we're seeing at the moment. So hopefully we'll be able to announce some, some really interesting news relatively quickly. Okay, so, so these are deals that you were already looking at acquisitions that Media Monks was looking to make before the S4 Capital came along? Or? Uh, it's, a, it's a mixture. It's a mixture of things. We definitely had some, some things lined up on our own roadmap that we can hopefully um, accelerate. Uh, yeah. And of course, because of this, we've also seen a lot of inbound uh, opportunities, people that are excited by the model, excited to be part of the new platform. So we're, uh, we're having a really interesting few days reviewing the opportunities and hopefully more than soon. Right, okay, right, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. I know you're very busy, so thanks for taking time out to speak to me, Wes. That's great. Hello, and now we are joined by Liam Reynolds, Managing Director, National Sales at Johnson Press, the publisher of the Iron Newspaper, The Scotsman, and regional titles including the Yorkshire Post and Wigan Evening Post, and Scott Gill, Commercial Director at Media Force, the biggest independent sales house in the UK, which represents the likes of Johnson Press and NewsQuest. So thanks, gentlemen, both of you, for joining me. Welcome. Uh, lots and lots to, to get through today. Now, obviously, it's World Cup semi-final this week. Uh, the country is very excited. Um, have local newspapers and websites got a boost this week uh, throughout the World Cup in terms of uh, circulation and traffic and in terms of uh, advertising too? Maybe you can take that, Liam. Sure. Well, morning, John, and uh, thanks for the invitation onto your pod. Um, yeah, interesting, isn't it? It's a big national occasion um, tomorrow. Um, I think what we've seen so far is uh, for the eye newspaper yeah. on the website, tripling of traffic around um, big stories. I think the newspapers, quality newspapers, certainly was looking at this morning, seeing three or four percent circulation increases um, last Wednesday, basically. Um, yeah. So the eye doing one out of that. I think as a national occasion, um, possibly it's not so much for the for, for the local side of things. I think that we all, for example, the Scotsman, I don't think it's particularly one <laughs> <laughs> out of um, necessarily out of World Cup coverage. Um, but broadly, I think all the papers are obviously behind our boys and uh, look, looking forward to it, and the sports pages will cover it. But I would say most significant has been on, on our national side of things with the I and I News so far. Okay. The, re the reason I asked this question is partly I was reading one of the um, national newspapers yesterday, which had a nice graphic on the England team, showing how they all came from different parts of the country, from Birmingham, from up north. So I thought it might be a, maybe an opportunity for some of the local news brands to tap into that interviews with family members, and I guess they have done that to a certain extent. Anyway, anyway, we're yeah. wishing them looking at football. Okay, so we're obviously doing this interview in the um, the Johnson Press headquarters in London. Uh, but I presume you both get out quite a bit around the country. Obviously, you've got uh, regional titles across uh, England and Scotland. Uh, obviously, in media, uh, there's plans to decentralise a chunk of Channel 4. BBC has a significant presence outside London. In terms of local newspapers, um, do you think it would benefit if there was more uh, complementary media uh, located to some of your regional titles? Well, yeah, I mean, as you may have seen, John, I gave you a quick sort of show around in the head office here. It's mainly uh, finance, some marketing, and uh, 
some iNews journalists. Um, we are heavily weighted to the regions. Our big investment recently has been into a call centre into Sheffield. Similarly, yeah. we have um, investment into Edinburgh. Um, we still have um, a big centre in Leeds around the Yorkshire Post. So we do have boots on the ground. Um, I think you know being a key partner for Google and Google AdWords has demonstrated you know the power of having boots on the ground. Um, that said, I think um, SMEs now with Facebook and uh, self-service are used to not necessarily face-to-face conversations with yeah. um, the media, um, and therefore I think that the call centre approach will be a larger part um, of our business. Although we will still have boots on the ground for sort of key accounts. Okay, just get a, give us give us a feel of where the John's in terms of a spread of titles. Where in England, where, where's the service north you you are, and whereabouts? Um, well, the furthest north, I believe, is the Stornoway Gazette. Um, so that's quite north. Um, um, so basically we run through the spine of the country from yeah. Scotland through to Edinburgh, uh, through Yorkshire, Leeds, Sheffield, and then into the Midlands of Milton Keynes, uh, Peterborough, yeah. and then all the way down to the coast in Portsmouth and sort of the Gatwick, uh, the Gatwick Triangle as they call it, around Crawley Way. So yeah, sort of literally down the spine of the country. But not, you're not in London, are you? No. We're not in London. Um, okay. no, that's our friends at NewsQuest yeah, in the main. Okay. So let's just talk about uh, dig deep into regional news brands. Uh, now for years, the media has largely, largely painted it as a, a doom and gloom area. According to Press Gazette, since uh, tw- uh, 2005, 228 local titles have closed, 30 last year, and thousands of jobs have gone in recent years. That said, uh, I think last year, Contra Press Gazette, 207 jobs were created in regional media. So the challenge has been well documented. Regional newspapers have been trying to offset declining print sales, print and advertising sales, with new digital advertising and service, um, services. Uh, this year, the government has announced a, new, uh, a review into the future of the newspaper industry, warning the closure of hundreds of regional papers is fueling fake news and is uh, dangerous for democracy. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, new, news quest, um, so you've got your other rivals. Uh, Trinity Mirror now known as Reach and Local World. So can you just paint a picture of where we are in terms of regional titles in 2018? Obviously there has been some consolidation in re- recent years. Will there be more consul- con- consolidation going forward? Well it's interesting isn't it? You, you touched on Kern Cross. The, um, we have a new um, culture secretary this morning, Jeremy Wright. Yeah. Um, I think what's interesting though if you go back to John Whittingdale and Matt Hancock Certainly both of those identified clearly there is an economic issue yes. um, within the regional local press model. Um, you know, it's the same, we have a highly regulated um, industry like ours, um, the same for the guys in TV. Um, we're basically bearing the cost of that, um, mm. where clearly the um, tech platforms are not under okay. the same pressure. Um, so yes, there's no, I don't think anybody's ducking the fact that there's not an economic uh, issue, which I think the numbers that came out came across last week sort of um, presented. Um, and we're hoping, obviously, via that, because it's a pivotal moment, that you know, there is some redress and similar to, you know, TFL have had to take on Uber, then well, perhaps there's an organisation comes out of that which basically seeks a solution for um, how we can actually look at the economic model of local press. because. I think the key thing was that, uh, identified by Matt Hancock, you know, there is a democratic deficit basically mm. without local press, which you've seen from Grenfell to yeah. Rotherham child abuse. You know, um, on a slightly more uh, lighter note, uh, you know that the campaigns in Yorkshire at the moment to save the trees in in, in Sheffield, which is you know gained sort of world attraction with even the New York Times getting behind it. So. 
you know, I, th- I think to your point uh, regarding consolidation, mm. you know, it's kind of in the title. It was regional, therefore, on that basis, the market was very fractured. Mm. Uh, it has consolidated, but then you know, so has cable, so has TV over the years, and. Um, who knows? I would think there has been recent consolidation with NewsQuest buying CNN Group, for example. I'm sure there's other deals to be done in the market. Right. Okay. I mean, are they are they imminent, or is that sort of that's an ongoing process, isn't it? I guess really, it's not. I think it's ongoing. It's been ongoing for some years yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just going back to you mentioned Grenfell. There was an argument, wasn't there, that um, some people put forward that you know Grenfell could well not have happened if a, a local paper had picked up on some of the concerns residents had about the the tower. Well, that, that is the deficit, isn't it? I mean, you know, I can't come directly on that, but, you know, I, I would say that it stands to reason, basically, that um, if you have a healthy uh, local press, mm. um, that basically that hold those in power on a local sort of regional basis to account, then there's less likely these things um, happen. Yeah. Okay. And just in terms of the, the the Johnson Press titles, obviously you've got some flagship titles, uh, Yorkshire Post, Scotsman. In terms of these titles now, are these all uh, digitally led or are they print led? By that I mean in terms of the the number of staff and advertisers, is, is it predominantly, um, are they working on the, the website, the tablet, the Facebook pages or are they still predominantly working on the print titles? Um, I think I think it's a mix. There's actually a, a line drawn, okay. if you like, between the two. Um, you know, certainly Frank O'Donnell was heavily involved with the Scotsman.com before he became editor of the of the, of, of the mm. if, if, if you like the the total enterprise, um, and, and therefore is very savvy um, around what is for us a, you know a very significant site. So. You know, I don't think we see uh, that kind of dividing line between the journalists and, uh, if anything, technology is a great enabler to allow um, journalists mm. to contribute both digitally um, and, and in paper. Okay, and in terms of the, obviously, uh, Johnson Press hasn't been alone. A lot of uh, the regional publishers have closed titles over the past few years. I mean, you, you, in terms of uh, future titles, you've not drawn a line under a possible... Uh, closures going forward is, is it still a, a case of Johnson Press sort of reviewing the titles that, that's an ongoing process is it really or? I, I would say the facts of the matter that uh, Johnson Press has not been a closure of titles with the exceptions of a few free titles okay. um, that we've not closed uh, paid for title um, so you know I don't think it's about closing it's about basically from our perspective we're looking to make the try and come up with the right model mm. which actually creates sustainable journalism locally and regionally uh, going forward which clearly the digital element of that is significant. Okay and in terms of uh, you Lee, in terms of your, your team, in terms of uh, recruiting staff, um, I mean I can only speak from my knowledge of what often works on a regional paper that's you know starting salaries aren't that high on the editorial side, I don't know what it's like on the sales side but I mean mm-hmm. in, in terms of recruiting staff is, is it um, I mean, is, is, it a, is it a big pull working in um, local media, do you think, or not? Or what's the attraction? Um, well, if you're certainly thinking in the case of Sheffield, Leeds and Edinburgh, um, for a graduate, that's probably an incentive not to work in London, for starters, yeah, sure. um, due to obviously the costs. And I think having a rewarding career in whether it be sales or journalism at that level, um, it's, I think for me it's fantastic that that, that, that opportunity is still sits there and I, and I, and I, I think um, certainly when it comes to investing in core centres in the likes of Sheffield you know, there, there is a you know, fantastic pool of, of young 
um, youth, um, whether it be coming through the schools or coming through as graduates, um, for us to draw upon. So, um, no, I think it's a positive, um, and as, as it stands, I don't think we have a, an issue recruiting. You, you mentioned the call centre then. I, I, I picked up when Ash, we'll talk about Ashley Harfield, your former CEO, shortly. When he was leaving, he said that. Uh, one of the highlights was creating an industry-leading telesales operation. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, is it, that's a significant part of the business, and that's grown. Then, is it in terms of? Yeah, we have 400, um, 400 people at our Sheffield call centre, so it, yeah. it, it is significant. Um, yeah. We're probably changing the balance a little between, yeah. um, as I say, the field sales and, okay. and using call centres. Um, but I think, as I say, that I think that matches. If anything, the sort of self-serve that's going on with Facebook, um, you know, there's clearly got to be a different model um, to get around the, the, the thousands of SMEs that we deal with. Okay. So, and just um, very briefly, we should touch on the I, which is, is always pointed out as being a, a, a good acquisition. You obviously bought that from ESI Media, yeah. um, and that's been, a, I think that makes... Um, considerable money, doesn't it? That, that, that's been, yep. it's always pointed out as being, being a good acquisition. Can you just talk about, because I never really understand obviously how that fits in with the, the regional portfolio. I mean, does it benefit the regional portfolio in a way or not? Or? Well, I think in a couple of ways it does. Um, I think, uh, as I just talked about, the regional, uh, our regional offering being down the spine of the country, mm. um, clearly the eye is national, so it covers areas that perhaps some of our regionals don't. But also, interestingly, I think uh, 85% of the eye readership is outside of London. So it is more regionally weighted were than the other qualities which are very much weighted towards London and the South East. So that's, in, that's an interesting combination for us. Um, where we have and had success in the recent British Media Awards um, was around us um, working journalists uh, together across both the eye and our regional newspapers. Um, the award that we won was for uh, best, best investigative journalism and that was for uh, the expose on health cuts. Yeah. And that would have involved journalists you know, from the Yorkshire Post, from the Scotsman, from the Eye, um, working together um, to create, create, the, create that, uh, that, that expose, as it were, uh, which was being rewarded for. So I think there, are, um, there, are, there is a fit there, basically, which is a benefit to us. Right, I didn't realise that then. So you've got journalists from other papers working for the, contributing to working for the, the Eye within the portfolio? Yeah, there's... Content sharing is a key part of the strategy. Right, okay. So we touched on uh, Ashley Highfield, and he stood down in the past few weeks. Um, been there seven and a half years. Do you think he's done a good, good job? Well, I, you know, what you need to look at, I think, is the actual results and, that's, once again, the facts on the ground. Um, you know, when Ashley took over, uh, the previous management team had uh, taken the business on a journey of um, acquisition, yeah. that had been through um, huge use of debt, um, all the way up to £700 million. And by the time I actually left, um, that was down to £220 million. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure Ashley's better placed to answer that question himself, but I would say if you look at reduction of debt, if you look at taking out £100 million worth of costs from the business, um, Beginning this journey of digital transformation, looking at organisational structure and cultural change, you know clearly Ashley has been key to that, um, and using his uh, experiences at um, the BBC and, and Microsoft to, to make that happen. Mm. Um, you know now we're in a position with David King taking over, previously CEO at Timeout, 
um, having worked at the BBC for a number of years as well, both in um, global and um, national roles, mm. clearly well placed to take that work on. Yeah, does he have a different strategy then to Ashley Highfield, do we know? And, and, and just going back to Ashley Highfield, so Johnson Press is in a better position today than it was seven and a half years ago. I think the share price is around uh, the same as it was seven and a half years ago, but you said amid those challenges, you think it's in a better place now then? Well, it's, it's certainly much better, to, I would say, to be in, you know, having £220 million and £700 million when he took right. over. You know? So I think um, also the business going forward, I think, has a better, a richer mix of uh, digital audiences, which clearly are going to be more future-facing in terms of where the business goes. Okay. And um, Ashley Highfield's paid 808000 in 27, including an annual bonus of 249,000 and pen, pension contribution of 115,000, according to uh, Johnson Press's annual report. Do you think that salary is too high? I mean, you can imagine it would be um, anger, relatively lowly, uh, a lowly paid reporter at Johnson Press, who has seen cuts to the newsrooms and perhaps uh, you know friends and colleagues lose their jobs. Yeah, I mean, this is something that's posed to a number of chief execs, isn't it? Not just Ashley and. Um, I would say that you know there is a market value for individuals who can look at what are complex uh, complex businesses, which is certainly Johnson Press is uh, looking at um, a com- complex competitive environment um, with sort of huge change, as we can see from the introduction of uh, the tech platforms coming into play. Mm. Um, and I think within all that, the expertise uh, that he would bring and, and, and some of the results that he's achieved, you know, for, for me, it seems to be appropriate for that level of pay, given that seems that seems to be the level that CEOs are paid across okay. the board. Okay, so maybe we can bring, uh, we're going to talk about the um, this joint uh, digital sales initiative. It'd be great to get your take on this, Scott. So back in 2014, Johnson Press, together with NewsQuest and uh, Local World, pulled together digital advertising, uh, giving advertisers access to more than 50 million online readers in a move which was largely, largely seen to fight back against a drain of ad spending to companies like Google, Facebook and, and Microsoft. Um, has this been a success then, do you think, Scott, so far? So, morning, John. Thanks for the invite to uh, to join you. Okay. Um, absolutely, it has. If I could, if if I may, if I could just correct uh, some of the numbers there. So, okay. One Excel is formed now forty six uh, separate um, publishers. Um, right. Within them, within our ranks, uh, we have Johnson Press, we have Newsquest, we have Arch, and uh, independent okay. news and media, and, and a number more. The reach we offer to market is something in the region of twenty five million Comscore uniques monthly, which is about half the UK internet population. So, if you go back to your earlier question about what's the state of the the industry yeah. from an audience perspective, it's extremely healthy. Okay. Um, moving on to your your question about is One XL working? Resolutely, yes, it okay. is. Um, the the swelling of our ranks, the number of publishers um, that One Excel's composed, I think, uh, to a degree, uh, evidences that. But the best evidence is always financial. First year of operation, One Excel doubled revenue for Johnston Press, and we've achieved growth um, beyond the marketplace average every year subsequently for Johnston Press. Once you take account of um, audience fluctuation, yeah. Um, and that's the same across every single publisher within the One Excel portfolio. Um, every single one of them has outgrown the marketplace, uh, and in some instances, quadrupled revenue since joining us. Okay. So, I mean, going forward, could you see this being the future? And the, presumably, Johnson Press and all these other 
uh, organisations have their own in-house sales team, but could this just be? Could, could we just have one one Excel as the overall sales team then, or not? Well, uh, in a way, John, that's exactly what it is. Um, if you're a national or an international brand or company, and you want to find your way onto a uh, one Excel local or regional news media publisher right. website, you uh, have to come through uh, the One Excel platform in order to do so, uh, whether it's programmatically, mm. whether that's uh, intermediated revenue, mm. uh, or whether that's direct from the client or from the agency, you, you uh, come via um, One Excel in order to access um, those sites. Uh, Johnson Press, NewsQuest, and our other pu- uh, uh, publisher partners are engaged now exclusively in monetizing to the local SME marketplace. So One Excel does not do that for right. our publishers. Can I see that um, merging together in any way? Probably not. I think the jobs are very different. The job of monetizing to a national or, or international client mm. uh, is a very specialized one, a very different from the other very specialized job of selling to local marketplaces. Okay, and this is all in terms of One Excel. This is this is premium advertising that it's selling to. It's it's premium. Um, it's programmatic premium, right. and it's programmatic at the other end of the spectrum. Uh, what what used to be called remnant, but really shouldn't be any yeah. longer. Um, it's full spectrum or nose to tail, as we call it, monetization of of the entire publisher page. So okay. increasingly, One Excel now performs. Uh, the task for publishers of analysing the page and the use of uh, commercial real estate um, across the page in order to maximise the outcome from the audiences that our publishers generate. Okay, so I mean, obviously, recently this Ozone project, which is a similar initiative for the um, which national newspaper News UK, publisher of the Times and the Sun, the Guardian and the Telegraph have launched. Um, if you looked at the reports behind that, they talked a lot about uh, cleaning up the digital supply chain. Obviously, there's been uh, a big issue about uh, all these intermediaries taking money in the supply chain. So, in terms of One Excel, has that has that cleaned up the the supply chain too? So, I think that phrase is probably a, a movable feast. I think ev- everyone would have a, a different definition, but um, refining down to sort of my definition of that, absolutely yes. Has uh, 46 publishers coming together to offer one of the largest uh, audiences in the UK media marketplace enabled us to have conversations with suppliers uh, that aid in monetization, that uh, make them more transparent, more true, and frankly uh, reduce their overall margins? Of course it has. That was kind of one of the reasons one um, Excel came to be to start off with. Uh, so definitely, yes, we have more transparency. We're also, I think, paying less. We're also uh, able to, because we've come together and because of this cooperative, we're able to engage more directly with brands and with uh, media agencies. Sure. Uh, and uh, we're, we're, we're less easy, if you like, to divide and conquer if you're uh, one of the bigger multinational companies that all publishers uh, in this in this day and age, have to deal with currently. Okay, so from what you said, and you, in terms of Project Ozone, do you think that is likely to be a success too on the national front? Um, I think its uh, success will largely be determined by the strength of the go-to-market. Um, through its data proposition, it'll have a defined USP that was probably missing from other. Similarly loose collaborations, and I draw a distinction uh, between Pangea and One Excel yeah. along those lines. Pangea was quite a loose collaboration, 
uh, and quite a specific and loose collaboration. Um, but I think its success is far from assured because because whilst those publishers are collaborating, mm. ultimately they will be uh, offering separate access through their own teams yeah. to inventory. They'll be yeah. separately engaging with most of the important supplier relationships like Google right. and the like. Okay. And I think whilst that's still the case, while there's still no real control over the supply of their inventory, collective control over the supply of mm. their inventory, um, you know, it, it's going to be an, uh, something of an uphill struggle to get um, ozone properly running and off the ground. But with that said, there's a great team behind it mm. and there's some brilliant brands behind it as well. Okay, great. So uh, obviously the backdrop to this is, is, is the platforms, Facebook and Google. Uh, what revenues does Johnson Press get from Google? Obviously you get a share of advertising revenues when you just click on a news story via Google search. And uh, Matt Britton, boss of Google UK, uh, recently said Google felt, felt a sense of responsibility to support trusted uh, content. Could, could Google do more? Um, I think absolutely yes uh, would be the resolute answer. We've been in uh, collective as a one Excel collective, but also with some of the national news brand publishers, collective dialogue with um, Google for a year, 18 months now. Um, the discussion's been healthy um, right. and at times, you know, slightly frustrated. What revenues do we see from Google? Well, if, if you, what you mean by that is what revenue does Google intermediate? Yeah. Um, the answer is quite a lot and an increasing amount. Um, do we feel that currently local and regional news media inventory is appropriately recognised within the digital display uh, mm. media ecosystem? from a yield point of view, I think resolutely not at all. Uh, do we think Google holds the keys to doing something about that? Um, yeah, we do. And that uh, is a large part of the dialogue that we continue to have with them. I think my personal preference would be to see uh, a tweak to the marketplace dynamics, which leaves the programmatic plumbing and pipe work in place, right. just improves it so that uh, invested in journalism gets better recognised uh, through the dynamics of that ecosystem. Why do you say you've been frustrated then with Google? Is that because they're not being willing to play ball then? Or no? um, I, I think there's always a dialogue with Google. Mm. Um, I think ultimately they have a lot of priorities yeah. and obviously number one priority which I think a lot of people in this country probably forget is, is, is to their shareholders over sure. uh, wherever they are and um, you know, we're a, uh, one voice amongst many that they do listen to, um, but I think we, we do need to see more action off the back of the conversations we've had. Okay. Liam? Yeah, um, yeah well, just to touch on Facebook, I mean, yeah. Facebook have um, made it clear that, that, they, that they have a strategy where they'd like to increase the amount of personal content that uh, turns up on news feeds. Um, I guess that does put publishers under pressure in terms of the the mix around that but um, there's a couple of interesting things I think have come out of that that are, are bigger sites which um, have, are more weighted towards Facebook um, have not seen too much of a change uh, over recent times um, and where, where, where there has been bumps in the road what we've seen is that um, traffic has picked up via Twitter and via Google so it does appear that consumers uh, 
will find a way to get the content that they're after. And I think that's got to be a positive for us. Okay, so in terms of those changes to the Facebook newsfeed, that's not had a big, big impact on uh, traffic then, has it? As it stands now, when we're, when we're there have been, as I say, it's not yeah, all okay. been uh, plain sailing, where there have been bumps in the road, we've seen, as I say, um, a bit of a quid pro quo via Google and Twitter. Okay, I think Rupert Murdoch and other people at News UK have been very vociferous on the platform, particularly Facebook, calling for it to uh, pay trusted new news publishers a carriage fee, similar to um, what cable companies use. Uh, would you, I presume you'd back that then, would you? Um, I think it's a very complex issue, and I think... Um, Kern Cross is certainly going to be looking into what um, mm. approach may well be taken. I mean, um, we talked earlier about, um, for example, the BBC and um, how a solution was found there um, in terms of the, the um, appointment of 80 local democracy reporters um, to mm. um, fill this bridge, if you like, or this hole that, um, um, that's been created in terms of democratic deficit. Um, will that work for Facebook and Google? Well, you know, once BBC is a publicly funded body with um, clearly a charter which is very much looking to support British society. Mm. And to Scott's point earlier on, Facebook and Google really report to the, the shareholders. So it is different, but I think actually what is positive, I think, out of that is that solutions can be found when there are willing parties. Okay. Just um, I remember a few weeks ago we had Douglas McCabe on the podcast, the Al. Um, uh, one of the senior execs at Enders Analysis, and he was talking about local newspapers, and he said one thing about uh, if he was working in um, regional papers, he'd, he'd be working with Google to um, maybe having these conversations conversations now for Google to help regional titles actually build a compelling advertising and ed- editorial platform. I mean, do you have those conversations at all? Absolutely. I mean, Google are a key partner of ours, and uh, those conversations are ongoing, basically, on a weekly basis. I mean, so, some of the good work Google has done with the industry this year is to travel around the different um, regional publishing centres, yeah. both of our competitors and of one Excel publishers, talking to editorial teams about how they can publish um, better. And like I said before, we, we do have an ongoing dialogue around the commercialisation of, uh, okay. of the audience that we attract. Okay. Uh, right, okay, we've got through a lot so far. I mean, mm-hmm. finally, does uh, Johnson Press and uh, regional papers, did it have a rosy future then? We have a positive future. Um, I think I was drawn to um, a campaign that was run, um, which was dubbed the One North campaign. Um, this was, uh, as our editor of the Yorkshire Post described it, when the perfect storm of frustration uh, comes about um, behind um, the rail crisis uh, in the north of England and how that wasn't getting the appropriate airing in um, mm. Parliament and through uh, uh, Grayling, who was the Transport Secretary at the time. Um, and I think basically that that desire, if you like, or that need um, for a voice um, for local and regional uh, democracy is 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 essential and what we're probably I would say still to see um, complete is what is the sustainable model for that but mm. I think the one key thing I would draw upon was there is definitely a demanding market for the type of journalism and type of local whether it be community or whether it be a regional level um, journalism and from that there must be a way of finding a commercial model that works for it. 
Yeah, I would second that. Uh, ultimately, as I said earlier, 52% of the UK internet population visit one of our 651 Excel websites every single month, many of them habitually. Uh, all we've got to do now is uh, figure out how to monetize um, those users um, to a degree that, that makes the medium sustainable in the long term. Okay, Liam Scott, thank you very much. That's great.